You're listening to episode 27 of the Becoming Aligned podcast. Welcome to Becoming Aligned, where we'll step away from the busyness of our days to explore what it looks and feels like to create meaningful lives that align with our personal values. My guests have found their own unique way to navigate through the distractions, the pressures, and the expectations of everyday life. And in the process, they have discovered the freedom to be truly themselves, to tune into their own heart, and to honor their own unique voice. I'll explore what motivates them, what challenges them, and what strategies help them work towards their goal in a way that nourishes their mind and body. I believe everyone has a story to share, and that we become a stronger community when we're able to listen and learn from those around us. I'm your host, Maureen Ryan, the founder of Ryan Wellness, I'm a Chicago-based self-discovery mentor and Pilates instructor. I hope these conversations will serve as inspiration and as a reminder that it's not about perfection, but the process of becoming aligned. In this episode, I talked to Rebecca Hamilton. She is a mom who homeschooled her child, a successful real estate agent in Florida, and an entrepreneur who is making a positive difference in the lives of her clients but she's also experienced her share of life's challenges, which she walks us through during this episode. We chat about her story and the story of her personal growth and how the law of attraction played into that. She also helps to demystify the law of attraction and some of the myths that prevent people from accessing the full benefits. I hope you enjoy my episode and my conversation with Rebecca Hamilton. Hi, Rebecca. Thank you so much for being on the Becoming Aligned podcast today. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Hey, yes. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So you have an amazing story and I'm really looking forward to diving in and getting to know more about you as a person and also learning more about how you have managed to handle the challenges of your life and align your values to your life choices. So I'd uh, love to dive into that over the over the next hour or so. And um, but before before we get into all that, can you please start us off by telling everyone a little bit about yourself? Uh, I always, that always feels like such a big question to me. I'm it's like, such a big I don't question. know. I like strawberries. Okay, no, but seriously, <laughs> my name is Rebecca Hamilton. I'm originally actually from Cleveland, Ohio, but oh, okay. um, at around eight, my mom moved us cross country down to Jacksonville, Florida, and that has been home ever since. Okay. So, um, so yeah. So, um, and again, like, I feel like I could tell you lots of things about my story, but <laughs> <laughs> I thought it, it would get big. So, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, so you're you're in Jacksonville. Um, and what do you do out there? I do a lot of things. So I'm a realtor, and which uh, so I'm a full time realtor. But the the other piece of me is sort of like a coach, and I do mm-hmm. online courses and things cool. like that. When I when I sort of made some space in my life and I used real estate to do that, ah. I was able to launch into some of the other things that I really love. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, so you, I would, I, I would be interested in hearing what life was like for you back before you moved to Jacksonville. So how old were you when you, you left? Did you say Ohio? Did I hear that right? I feel like yep. I missed. Okay. How old no. were you when you left Ohio? So I was only eight years old. So their life old. was like a blur. So. Okay. Got it. Yeah. yeah no. So do you really just remember life in, in Jacksonville then? Pretty much. I mean, I remember Ohio a lot just because my dad was still there. So my parents got divorced and my mom came down here and my dad was still there. So I still went up there, you know, in the summers and all of that. So I more remember the, you know, 4th of July fireworks and going to eat ice cream after or, you know, things in the summer, you know, kind of the fun times in the summer. Yeah. Well, while we're talking about like you as a young person, like what what were you like as a young person? What were things that... um, you enjoyed doing or what was life like for you? So interesting fact, when I came in the world, I was covered with rashes head to toe. Mm. I had what I assume was eczema. It went away by the time, basically it kind of went in line with puberty and I kind of went through puberty pretty late. Okay. So by the time I was in high school, it had gone away. But up until then I had rashes head to toe. So if Ooh. I wasn't hanging out with family, I really didn't have a lot of a social life because a lot of kids just, they don't get it and they don't yeah. understand. And yeah. so the tolerance level is low. 
Um, so I did a lot of, I really attribute that time in my life to really a time when I really started to self-reflect. And it sounds kind of crazy because you're young and you don't yeah. really know, but I really started to look at people's motives and why did people talk to some people and not other people and mm. what made me cool, but what made me different. And so I got a lot of that self-reflective. I have that a little bit naturally and it really grew through there and it helped me. It gave me superpowers as I grew older uh. to understand situations. Interesting. Yeah, because was that sounds like was it painful as well? The the rash and not only would yeah. people see it and maybe not know how to but you may be dealing with the pain of that. That had to be a lot to handle for a young person. It was. And we thought that coming down here, so it was, because when oh. it, what would happen is it would get in the in your joints. Oh. So in the joint area when you bend your arms, you bend your knees and so you know, it would be really red and inflamed and itchy and all of that. And so yeah, you're on like taking oatmeal baths and doing all the mm-hmm. things. And I remember my mom just trying everything. And, um, you know, my dad took me to specialists and nobody could figure out mm-hmm. kind of what was going on. And so it was just, and down here it was hard because it's more humid. And then during the summers, you know, I don't want to have on short sleeves and shorts. So right. I'm wearing long sleeves and long pants in the summer trying to cover up. And so it was definitely a time where, I had to figure out how to be okay. Like you just have to figure it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So as a young person, you were starting to like become self-reflective and notice um, the behaviors of other people and trying to kind of find meaning behind it. But in terms of, terms of you, like what would you do for yourself to like kind of, I don't know, maybe like an activity that you get lost and absorbed in or something you might turn to kind of forget things and play. And what were some things that you would do for that? Well, as a kid, um, I used to like to, I've always liked to write on things. Like I mm. like to decorate things. Oh, cool. So I would do that. Yeah, I would, I would definitely decorate things. I would, whether I was using crayons or when I got older, I started using markers and different things, but it wasn't anything that ever went anywhere. But when I think of something that really kind of released and I wasn't yeah. thinking about anything else, you know, outside of that. Um, would be something along the lines of, you know, trying to draw. I used to really think that I could um, do like graffiti art, which I really couldn't, but, <laughs> but I really felt like I could, and I felt like I was good at it. So right. I just kept making it. But yeah, there you go. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I guess the reason so. I ask is I, I'm always curious to see like. If, if the things that we might have like done or, you know, enjoyed doing when we were younger, how they might have impacted like the journey or the things that we, you know, started like, you know, came to do as an adult. And I don't know if you see any connection between the graffiti or even just the artisticness behind that um, and the route or the journey that your life took. Do you see any connection or am I stretching here to, to find something? No, I totally <laughs> see a connection in two things. One is you know, because I was always thinking, I feel like that definitely has led me to a different place and trying to figure out, you know, mm. things, which like technically, if you look at, and this is a little bit, you know, but if you look at like the astrology side of who I am, I should have been a detective all day. Ah. So that all makes sense to me. Yeah. And then when you add in the writing, you know, what I do and what I've done for the last 26 years since I've known, and I did it before that in other ways is I write, I write to release. Um, I write to create, I write to align, like I write, that's what mm. I do. So yeah, it totally, totally does. does that's fit. awesome. Oh, so cool. Um, so then you're out in Jacksonville and you went, you're going to high school there and um, yeah, tell me, tell me how the story unfolds once you, once you get into Jacksonville and, you know, get through high school and now the rashes have disappeared. Ooh, and actually, what did you notice about people once the rashes went away um, and how they did, treated you after that. Did you notice a change um, in how people yeah. interacted with you? Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. and my skin just turned like beautiful. But what mm-hmm. I realized is that I still had work to do inside because now what was happening is I was bringing, which we, we all tend to do in some way, I was bringing forward the expectations and perceptions from being young and being received a certain way, Uh I was still being received that way in some circumstances. And I wasn't valuing myself enough because 
I had devalued myself over all those years. So that's when mm. I really like the rubber hit the road and I, and I really had to start looking at things. Ooh, okay. So what did, what did yeah. that look like for Like, what did that look like for you? Like, what did, so, like, did something come into your life or like what impacted yeah. how you chose to, to look at things? So I like to jokingly say that I was a bad child and I was uh. once my rashes went away. I, I was a bad child. I, I did everything from like, I ran away. I, um, I literally, my, my mom thought that I was really not doing what I needed to do here. So she sent me to my dad's in Ohio. And then I, I concocted a plan and with no money ran away, um, and got here to Jacksonville on on my own with no money. (laughs) So it was like, resourceful. Once I did that, I realized that my determination mattered, right? So that let me know that anything is possible. So, okay, if I can get across the country, then what else can I do? And so I still wasn't ready to hear it, but I started going to Al-Anon. So Ah, if you're not familiar with with AA or Alcoholics Anonymous, um, Al-Anon is the other piece to it. So my mom Mm -hmm. was going to Al-Anon. And I just wanted to feel better, but I wasn't sure how to do it. So that was the first step that I took was, hey, let me go to Al-Anon. I grew up around just addicts, whether it was uh, drinking or whether it was gambling or whether whatever, a couple Mm -hmm. kind of peripheral drug addicts, you know, nothing. But, you know, I had a lot of that in my life. You know, my dad, my, you know, different people. So, um, So I turned there for a little bit of relief. And that's really where the journey started. Oh, okay. And so was that, was there just like a sense of comfort and like seeing other people that you could relate to and that you knew understood what you've been going through yourself or what, what else did you get from, from being in that community? Well, I think the idea, some of the things, you know, it, it helped me ease my mind, like the serenity prayer, you know, to, uh, yeah. to do the things that you can and let go of what you can't. And mm-hmm. I think all of us at some point in our life and some more than others, we, we are consumed with this pain from trying to control things that we can't control. Mm-hmm. And once that pain gets great enough, you start to figure out, okay, what can I do? And so mm-hmm. I was looking for just answers for why did I feel the way I felt? And I feel like I got some of them, them there. Uh, it, it was adults. So I, and I've always been around adults. So, um, yeah, you know, yeah. So, so I got a little bit there. And like I said, that was the first sort of stepping stone. And I feel like we are an evolution, right? We're an evolution of a person. So that was the beginning of that evolution. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm even thinking of you like, you know, running away and stuff. It's just, um, sounds like you're just trying to like escape and, you know, um, step away from either feelings or situations and just you're trying to find yourself maybe in the, even the running away piece and finding like a sense of home, maybe in the Al-Anon or something. Was that like a, that was like, sounds like it was a grounding place for you. Well, it was, it was something, it was a place where I could go that there wasn't any drama. Yeah. Like that was what I needed because at home there was drama. Yeah. uh, In the, in the, streets, hanging out with my friends, there was drama. I wasn't making good choices about friends. So that was drama. I, you know, so that for me was just a safer place where I could go and people were nice and I didn't have to worry about, you know what I mean? Right. that, That was the good part. Yeah. Right. Okay, so you strike me as like a no drama person nowadays, though. Like that's just the oh, immediate sense I yeah. have of you. <laughs> and so I am. <laughs> okay, all right. So, like, where, you know, how did that develop, and how did you start saying, "All right, no to drama"? Like, I'm picturing Mary J. Blige in my head right now. But like, you know, just right. like saying no to it and um, figuring out strategies and ways of being where the drama wasn't ruling your life and you started connecting more into like who you were as a person. I, I'm just picturing you at this stage, like the, I mean, cause I think this would be so many of us, like the drama going on around you. It's like hearing your own voice and being connected to who you are and what you want. It's a little harder to hear when there's a lot of drama and things um, going on around you. And so how did you, how did you say yeah. no to it? Well, and you're trying to find yourself. I mean, I was yeah. still relatively young by this point. Like I wasn't, right. I wasn't in, I was in my teens. Yeah. So I was still young. I still had so much to do. And like so many things in life, 
that time period was good, but then, you know, but then you slip back and then you, you're, you're back kind of like, how did I get back in this? What's going Mm -hmm. on? Like, why do I have drama again? And so I'm still not connecting the dots that I'm a common denominator yet. Mm. I'm still feeling like, life is living me that yeah. that's kind of like well these people are around me these people are doing this to me these people are showing up and i'm not understanding my role in life mm-hmm. and how i'm bringing that on too you know what i mean so right. it takes a little bit of time to figure that out and so after alanon it became really more of like the whole self help so now i'm listening to you know wayne dyer and i'm oh, listening love wayne dyer. to Pak Chopra and I'm looking listening like you know reading um Debbie Ford and mm-hmm. you just all the different people right mm-hmm. and and I'm reading that and I'm listening to it and I'm still living in two places because mm-hmm. I'm still trying to find my balance I'm still not sure I'm still wanting approval but not want, not wanting drama but finding myself there so you, you still it's like that it's that it's that expansion, that evolution that isn't mm. always perfect. It's not a straight line, right? Right, right. So, so that was kind of the back and forth that was that was going on with me. Yeah, yeah. And you're just you're trying to figure it out at that stage. And so you're in high school mm-hmm. at this point, right? Like, um, I would say I'm out. Okay, so no. Well, I ended up dropping out of high school. So oh. I ended up dropping out of high school because, yeah, because randomly, uh, my mom's bizarre story but one night I came home my mom thought I was lying about something she takes me to a psychiatrist or something like that Uh and the person literally said that I was doing hard drugs and my mother flipped out but I wasn't like literally I wasn't yeah and she did not know that until way down the line because it was you're going right now we went home packed and she took me to a rehab, which I've never oh, been goodness. an addict ever. And so I go to this rehab for six weeks in West Palm Beach, Florida. And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> so then I've been out of school for six weeks. And I'm like, you know what? I'm bored in school anyway. I'll just go take my GED and be done. Yeah. So I was done a lot earlier. Got it. So my oh. life kind of started earlier. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like I picture someone being in rehab and... Okay, even like someone who wasn't even doing drugs, like that could be like almost, I don't know, that could be a tough place to be. And that had to be, a, what was that experience like? Well, it was because what I wanted to do was get back to yeah. my family, my home, my friends. But then I was like, at this point in my life, I'm, I'm actually weighing consequences. So that's something that I've yeah. always thought that I am. I am good at and I think about the consequences so I don't just react and I don't know where I got that but somehow that came around and so I remember standing on the payphone there at the (laughs) rehab and talking to my friend she's like we'll come get you and I was like no just let me just go through this process because if I don't I'm going to end up back here like she's going to still believe that this is what I'm doing so I don't want to have to run I don't want to have to hide I just you know no I'll just stay. Interesting. So, so yeah, because I'm picturing yeah. you going through the whole self, like maybe reading some of the self-help books at that point or, you know, the Wayne Dyer and all that type of thing. And like this might have been an experience that gave you like this inside peak and um, and trying to help yourself even more, even though it wasn't maybe geared towards you, like because it wasn't a problem that you had. But maybe were you able to get something right. from what was going on? Well, I think it gave me a way time. And I think Got that was it. the biggest thing that it gave me because I really didn't get any of the self-help up there got it and what was even crazier is that I was young I don't remember yeah. exactly how old I was but I was in there with like adults yeah and so I personally don't think that it's something you would really want to send your daughter to I stayed yeah. out of the way because you know what I mean but mm-hmm. you know it, it's, it's just one of those things it's just kind of a random side story there but yeah, yeah I mean it was all a piece of it though it all kind of you know, evolved. It was, it was all a piece of the journey. Yeah. So you, but you come home from there um, after having some away uh-huh. time and you're not in, and you're, you're not going, choosing not to go back to high school, got you getting your G, GED. And right. Yeah. So like, are you start, like what helps you continue to go along on this course then in terms of growing as an individual and figuring out who you are as a person? 
Well, I think just the idea that it could be better. So when yeah. I so when I was nineteen, I got a my mom actually who who is a seeker of knowledge. So people mm. hear that you know she sort of gave me these these cassette tapes that changed my life and and assumed that it was one thing. When my mom is just she's very interested in anything. Mm. She's she's a questioner. Yeah. And even though she doesn't necessarily take some of the information, she's a questioner. So yeah. when she gets so when I so I got the very first set of cassette tapes that Abraham Hicks put out. Mm. And I sat in my car and I remember crying, thinking, okay, mm. if there, if this could be true, then I have to make it work. Like I have to figure this out. Mm. And it resonated with me on a level that nothing had so far. So when I, when I heard the tapes and it was 12 tapes about different subjects, I, that was really the seed. So mm. it was like you started, I started with Al-Anon, I hear Wayne Dyer, I get this set of tapes and I go, mm. holy cow, like if this could work, it has to. And even still, because to, to me, like, the, and because the way energy works is I didn't get as off track as I was overnight. Right. So I think that it's very difficult and almost impossible to just switch over. It takes time yep. and effort and yep. focus. And so I I was doing it, but I was just doing it slowly. So you still mm -hmm. saw some pieces of that other stuff in there. Mm -hmm. um, but by this time I had met my husband, by this time mm -hmm. I was working full-time jobs. I was, you know, mm -hmm. a bit self-sufficient, you know, I was kind of doing my thing. So yeah. I, I, was, I was in a better place for sure. So for those people who are, might not be familiar with Abraham Hicks, um, share a little bit about the message that you were receiving from listening to those tapes. So Abraham Hicks talks about the law of attraction. Mm. And, you know, when you, and, and I, I love the law of attraction for so many reasons. Yeah. I feel like it, it, it's gotten a little bit cheapened over time to be yeah. material things. And that bothers me. And that's why I've really got, you know, started my little grassroots movement of, hey, let's talk about what it's really about. Yeah. And it is an inside job. It really is the inside. Yes. And it took me when I tell you, I've, I've just listened to thousands of hours of Abraham. I've gone to their stuff. I've got anything that has to do with law of attraction, but Abraham in specific, because I love that their message doesn't change. There is no, well, sometimes you can play victim, but sometimes you can't. Mm -hmm. It's like sometimes you can be accountable, but sometimes there is no like, and I love the idea of these solid things that I can depend on. Mm. And I, I didn't have that up to then. I didn't mm. have a thing that went, Rebecca, here's your thing and you can depend on this. This is something that I go, okay, I, I can live with this. I can depend uh, on it. I know what to expect. Yeah. So your eyes were open to this idea of the law of attraction oh, through, yeah. through Abraham Hicks primarily, it sounds like. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, that was funny because one of the questions I was going to ask you was, like, tell me about, you know, like the inner work you've done because it it's it's always about the inner work, you know, that you're doing personally yeah. that in order to, like, grow as a person. And the thing is um, – it takes practice, right? It doesn't, yes. you know, you can't do it one day. It's like all those patterns we've established over time in one direction. You can't just, they don't just unravel through like one, one moment or one effort of something. It's like, it's a continual practice to unravel some of those patterns. And, um, yeah. yeah. So how, how do you incorporate this into your life? And like, what strategies or practices do you have for yourself? So, for me, when I first started listening to it, and you know, the, the, the reason that so it's like, I heard that at 19, I started doing a little bit, I thought, Ooh, I can attract money. Well, that would be great. because I'm broke. Right. So that initially really did catch me. And so I understand uh, why people get stuck there. I understand it. it because yeah, it's like, oh, oh yeah. well, this is great. I need some more money. Let me manifest yeah. some money. Yeah. So it took a lot, a lot longer to figure the things out. But 
when, you know, when I was 25 and my son was a year old, when I, when I learned that I was pregnant, I was so, so excited. I knew that I came to the world to be a mama. Like I knew it. And so that changed my life dramatically because I was not, I just was determined to raise the bar. I was determined to not perpetuate the cycles that I had in my life Mm. and, and have that happen for the next generation. Like I wanted it to stop with me. So that was when I really started doing the work. And then at one year old, when, you know, we, you know, when, when these big situations strike and you have to make decisions. Hmm. So it wasn't right away that I made the decision, oh, I'm going to do this. And I just started doing it because our energy just doesn't work like that. So it it took me a minute. Yeah. So you got introduced to it. It's like a part of your life. You guys went through like like a a major challenge, um, an experience that I'm sure like shifted or challenged you in many ways. Can you tell everyone a little bit about that? Yeah. So when... They was my son is one year old. We mm. went up to Michigan, which is where my husband's from, just okay. to go visit family. And I honestly like that's the first time that I can. It's not the first time. It's one of the bigger times that we just didn't listen to intuition. Like, and mm. I knew it, and we just went anyway. So anyway, um, but anyway, he ended up um, getting arrested when we were down here for. Um, for murder. I mean, I'm just oh going to say it because why, why try to, yeah. you know, like, let's just yeah. say what it is. Yeah. He got arrested for murder and something that he didn't do. Like we knew that he didn't do it, but yeah. we were young and we were dumb. So he gets extradited back up to Michigan, go through a year wait. They take him to trial and we have a public defender who did mm. just didn't do any work on it. I tried to get a lawyer and they wanted $25,000. I'm like, I don't have that. I barely, yeah. I don't even make that. Like I made 24,000 in yeah. a year, much less give somebody 25,000. Right. So, so, um, so yeah, so that he, he ended up actually getting convicted and sentenced mm. to natural life in prison. And so it was definitely a, a do or die like but it, again it, it never n- nothing is a straight line so it's yeah. like we hear the the decision and instantly it's you know you're devastated of course I was yeah. devastated um and I'm like what am I gonna do should I you know should I leave should I stay should I you know we didn't even have money to really keep the communication up so for a couple years it was kind of sparse it was like yeah. we, were, we were trying but i was trying to pull my life together yeah and you got a one you had a one year old at this point right and you're taking care yeah. of yeah i so yeah. we're both but but by this time we're both we both are strong believers in the law of attraction so by this time uh. we're both starting to do the real work like so you don't see any changes because again you Mm -hmm. don't co-create that situation out of thin air it just doesn't happen Mm -hmm. like that so you know so we're like okay well no we didn't want this to happen but we can be accountable that it did and we're here and so where do we go and so that I feel like is when the real work started was Mm. how do we find our way through this how do we deal with the shame and the blame and the guilt and the judgment mm. and all of the things, you know, and then that's yeah. when you really have to do your work. Whew. Yeah. I'm just picturing the weight that that would have been on, on you and your family at that point and having like uh, the strength or the courage to, to continue move through that. Um, I mean, for everyone, I guess, like, so is that, was that the, your anchor was this idea of the law of attraction and, um, was that what anchored you or like, well, yes. how else did you take I care of firmly, yourself in this? Yeah. No, I firmly believed that if that we could use our energy and our focus to create differently, to show up differently, to be happy anyways, mm. to find a space where we could be okay until we figured this out. 
That wow. So that was what I used. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, because that's that's a lot. I think a lot of people would be shaken. You know what I mean? Like, I think you could go one of one of two ways. Either your your spirit's broken, or you hold on and you get even you dive in even more deeply and you um, become even stronger. And it sounds like that's what you know. It sounds like that's what you started to do. Um, well. I think it's an evolution with both of those in it. Like my spirit was broken and I didn't because we were, we were working on this from the day he got like, I remember standing at the printer at my job and copying books for him because he couldn't get books in there. He could only get paper. So I would sit at the printer and copy these books, these law of attraction books that would come out, new ones, Stuart Wilde, like these really cool. And I would, and I would send those to him so that he could read them and we could read them together while he was in there. And so it was like, I was broken. Like, I feel Mm. like that break has to happen so that you can rebuild. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, that makes right because you're like there's no one or the other. It like it's all a part of the process, and yes. yeah. So talk me through like how did your like how did your life continue to evolve after this? So so I ended up you know I used law of attraction and what I wanted and the way I wanted to feel to create. You know I created then my next job which was double what I was making more vacation time, yada, yada, all these things. And, and then, um, I was given the opportunity to, and so I put my son in Montessori. I really wanted him. We always wanted him to go to like a Waldorf school or a Sudbury school. If you're not familiar, they're like free thinking schools, right? Mm -hmm. I'm really about that. I like the idea of letting him become who he wanted to be. And so Mm. there are none of those here. So I thought, well, Yeah, there's none of them nowhere close. So that wasn't going to happen. So I I stayed at my job that was, you know, again, great benefits, great job of all these things. They offered a voluntary severance when my son was going into first grade. It was the summer before he went into first grade. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to take this. Mm. And I was, and I did. I took the severance and my mom said, hey, let's get into real estate. And I was like, yeah, ah. sounds amazing. Sounds like a good idea. Let's do it. So we go to the class. It's very easy to get a real estate license. It was then yeah. here in Florida. So we go to the class. We become realtors. I said, you know what? I'm going to write a million dollars in real estate. When I do, I'm going to take it out and homeschool him. Oh, and people amazing. already thought, wait a second, you can't be a realtor and live on your own and support yourself with no other income and commission only. Right. And I was thinking, well, why not? Like, if somebody, somebody's doing it, why can't it be me? And I yeah. didn't really have a good basis. I was young and doing whatever I wanted to do and thought I was a little invincible. Yeah. And, um, but I did it. And wow. then I wrote that million in five months. And then I decided, wow. you know what, I'm going to homeschool my son. And, and I took him out and homeschooled him from first to 11th grade. And during that whole time where, you know, I'm paying for lawyers and not getting anywhere. I'm having, I'm just wasting money, giving lawyers money and they say, oh, I didn't prepare or they don't turn in the documents or just getting denied, you know, rubber stamped in the courts. Mm -hmm. And so we're going through this constant, okay, we can do this. We can build up, but it's been very hard. It was very hard to find somebody who would really look at our case and Mm. what was going on. And, um, so yeah, so that was it was a very much a, an evolution of energy and of his understanding, my understanding. Um, yeah, so. Oh. Well, I love that you're doing this. To, I, I love that there was that piece of it that you were doing it together with your husband even before everything happened. So you guys sound like you yeah. you you laid down the groundwork um, before you had to you know to deal with this you know really challenging situation but then I love your the whole idea of you and your mom going into real estate together and then just your you know your confidence and like this idea to homeschool your child and that you actually made it happen so you you homeschooled him from first through 11th grade is that what you said yes that's amazing yeah what was that experience like so it was amazing because we had it, we had so much fun oh. and 
people just couldn't understand because like we didn't have a normal schedule and Mm -hmm. it was all, it was very child led and it was what he wanted to do or he'd be coming on real estate appointments with me or, you know, we would be, you know, doing math in the store or we would be reading, you know, whatever. We were just kind of like on the fly doing it. I want to say for up until about eighth grade, we were more so unschooling than we were homeschooling. We were doing it very child-led. Like it was not structured and how people do that. Like it wasn't that. It was much more, um, yeah, just kind of free thinking and what are you interested in? You know, he was doing reports on on certain type of weapons. Like he loved the wars and the types of weapons they used in the wars or he was doing stuff on you know just different things he would he would come up with what what he was really into and then he would become an expert in that yeah oh that's so cool and then he did transition to um public schooling after 11th grade then I guess is it well he did so in eighth grade he wanted to start doing online basically they give you the curriculum and then we we do it online together so he did that because he turned from when he first, when he was little, he loved to do like dance, acting, modeling, oh. like he was doing all these different things. We were going around doing all sorts of fun stuff. And then he found football. And oh. unfortunately, <laughs> like I wish he didn't, but he did. Oh. And I just supported him. But by 11th grade, he wanted to go back um, oh. after that for recruiting purposes. Because he had a dream. He had a dream. He was like, I, and a goal. He said, I'm going to go on a D1 full ride scholarship to go play football. And that that was his goal. Wow. And yeah, how did, like, so what happened? Now I'm curious. He did. He He did. did. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. He got a full ride and went to go play football. Yep. And And it's funny because, you know, my husband and I at that time, we, you know, we had tried a lot of things in the court and I was starting to lose hope. Mm. I was starting to think that it wasn't going to happen, you know, as they graduating. And I'm thinking, you know, we got into a pretty big argument. That was uh, something we had had an issue with before, like, you know, nothing major, nothing, but just it, it it was just enough that it was like, you know what? And I actually filed for divorce and Uh, we were, I guess you would say separated for about a year and a half. And he signed the papers. I signed the papers. I sat in front of the magistrate mm. and then, um, two Christmases ago, we, they said, I said, do you want to go see your dad? And he said, yeah. And I was like, all right. I don't even know why. It was very weird. It was like, it was like, you know, spirit was moving me or something. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. we go up there and it's like, as soon as I saw him, Mm. it was just, it's like, you can't deny what you love. And I think that's what was so clear to me. It's like, I can walk away, but I'll be less of who I am if I do. Mm. Yeah. Cause it's been a long time now. How, how many years has it been? Since he's been, oh, we're on 28, 28 now, so wow. <laughs> it's been quite wow. a while. And yeah. and and it, and within three days of of that file, three days of it being final, I canceled it. So oh. we we were able to get get up there and cancel it before it actually got final. Yeah, so we're still oh. married. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well, can you tell can you tell us a little bit about you know just in terms of making that work and making that something that you can both still support each other and love each other. Um, and that like, it's a, you know, it's yeah. a different setting than what most of us can imagine. Like, how do you guys do yeah. that for one another? So, yeah, and it, and it is interesting. And yet I do think sometimes that he and I, we talk every day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we talk 15 minutes is the, how long a phone call is. You can Got talk it. more if you want to, but it gets expensive. So yeah. we, but we talk every day. And when we do, I feel like we really try to make it meaningful. We really mm. try to connect and it is an everyday thing. Like you have to continue to make that commitment. It's just like you were talking, we were talking about spirituality earlier and like, and like changing habits. And it's like mm-hmm. this consistent, this idea of consistency and of it never you never graduate like you so you never I'm never going to be so comfortable in my marriage even when he comes home Mm -hmm. that 
that I'm like not going to try to connect. And I think that's what happens a lot is it's very easy to take when they're here and with you to take it for granted and to not have that. So I feel like we actually have like a better relationship than maybe a lot of people who have their spouse right Mm. in their house with them that because we are taking that time to connect and we are writing love letters to each other Mm. and we are, you know, sharing, still sharing our, our day and our thoughts and what, what hurt us or what made us feel good or whatever it is, you know, we still really take the time to do that. Yeah. That's beautiful because it is sometimes the things that are, um, I don't know, convenient or just accessible to us, we can start to take for granted, you know, but when Mm -hmm. you like knowing that that's not something you can take for granted, having like a, a good conversation, like just, I mean, that is, you know, and for to people are different for, you know, the things that really impact them, I guess, like, you know, five languages of love, whatever I can picture for myself, right. is like that, that quality time is super important to me. So if that's something you value, I can totally see that being such a important way to connect regardless of what the situation you're dealing with is. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, and I think you, well, and I think you have to, like my top one for five languages of love, oddly, is acts of service. So mm, yeah, I'm big on acts of service, but just like I tell him all the time, the act of service he does is evolving with me. Mm. So it's like, because we can't do this one and not the other, like I will go away or he will go away. Like we can't, we have to be on a journey together in this yeah. way, like in this situation. And, and I know it's very different. And, you know, for um, Zay's whole growing up until he graduated, we never told anybody. Like, mm. I felt like I didn't want people to judge him. And I didn't want to be judged. And right. I didn't want to, you know. And it's like, as soon as I just said it, and I was like, listen, this is what it is. You don't have to understand it, but you have to respect it. It just felt so much easier. It's just like, yeah, you can just let go. And not everybody's going to get it. But yeah. I, I think everybody can understand love. And, right. and I love the idea of not throwing people away. And that's, that's what really keeps me going is that, yes, I want to be happy. But I think that we tend to try to fill in our happiness through other people mm-hmm. instead of finding the connection with ourselves. And when mm-hmm. you find the connection with yourself, you don't need, yes, you want it. Yes, in a perfect world, I would have it. But mm-hmm. I guess my my thing I had to battle with is how do I have all of that? Like, how do I still get that? And that's where I've mastered the emotional side of it. Mm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm listening to you talk about the connection to yourself and like for you, what are you working on? Like learning and growing for yourself now through like how, what are you wanting to discover and learn? Like, I guess in terms of your own personal growth for yourself. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I'm always on this journey and it and, and it intensifies or gets more as, as the deeper you go and the more you see, the more you want to see. So yeah. I am really on this journey of being very present and it, it's something that gets thrown around, yeah. but I feel like all the magic happens in presence, right? Mm-hmm. When you're in presence, that's like, I want to tune into my intuition. I want to tune into the, to the, the, the right moves. I want to tune in and I've done that. And that's really what yeah. I want more of that. I mm-hmm. want to feel more connected. I want to feel more of who I am because I feel like, well, I know for sure that when we are more of who we are, we mm-hmm. give in such a way that impacts people so much more. Yeah, totally agree. And like, I, um, I, yeah, I love what you were just saying right there. And I was just thinking, like, it seems like when you have followed your intuition, I'm picturing even, like, real estate. Okay, like, it just felt right to you in that moment, it sounds like. Yeah. And look how that's kind of, like, you know, you know, benefited your life. And um, and I'm, I'm just wondering about your, your journey as an entrepreneur, too. It sounds like doing real estate has kind of allowed you to open up, you know, opportunities for yourself to share what you've been learning and, and do some coaching along with that to share all the the things that have impacted your life. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So, yeah. And I feel like the presence has helped me in so many different ways and certainly, you know, doing the inside work that I just, I can't emphasize enough is such a big deal because 
if we create, so there's two different ways to create, right? And, I, and I'm going to connect this to my journey. Oh, my absolutely. Entrepreneurial yeah. journey. But, yeah. but there's two different ways to create. There's this way where you can like get in the space and create. So it's more like the visualization and you're looking for a thing. And then there's this way to create that I sort of teach much more so, which is get into the feeling and then mm-hmm. let the universe sort of surprise and delight you. So for instance, when I wanted to kick my business up a notch, I thought, you know what? My son's going to college. I want to get busy. I want to really get going on this real estate. I was doing like, say, between two and four-ish million a year, which was bringing me enough. Like we had what we needed. We had even what we wanted, but I was ready to kick it up. So I followed inspiration. So inspiration has really become a big thing for me. Mm. So I followed some inspiration and I created a video. I was literally doing my hair and I thought, you know what? I should do this video. And then I was like, okay. So I go and I'm like, okay, well, I think I'm going to do a video about this. So I go and look up a little bit of data. I'd never done a video before. Hmm. And I get on I get on my video. I just went at my desk and did a video. I'd never huh. done anything before. And I go and I do this video to first time home buyers and I tell them about the market and I tell them this and that, whatever. And I had listened to something earlier that said, go live in these certain groups. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to go live in these groups because I've never done a video before. Yeah. What I'll do is I'll just, I'll post this video in those groups. And that video ended up getting like 40,000 views. I closed over $5 million of business off of it. And a couple weeks and 40,000 views in like two weeks. Like it was crazy. And, and I didn't use any money to do it. Like it was all free. And I, and I never looked at the video. Like I didn't look back at it and then put it out. I just did it. Right. Mm -hmm. So like two weeks later, my friend was like, what did you do? What was in your, and I was like, look at what's happening. Like, this is crazy. And I show her and she's like, Oh, well you said this many statistics and you had this many numbers. And then you started with this and you did this. And I'm thinking, I didn't go look for how to do that. <laughs> yeah. I feel like when you're in alignment with the thing that you want, you can get like these universal sort of downloads. Like you're connected to everything you want. It's just a matter of tapping in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that really happened for that. And like last year, I did do amazing. I had a $50,000 a month. I've never like, I've yeah. had years where I've made like, you know, less than half of that. Right. So it's like, I didn't ask the universe, hey, universe, I want a $50,000 a month. But uh, of course, that made me happy. (laughs) Of course, you know what I mean? Getting into the, yeah, so it's like the other way of doing it, where it's like, you don't have to have so many houses. What I find is it's so much less stressful. It's so much less uh, need to control and so Mm -hmm. much more getting in the flow. And, and so the same thing with my my coaching, like I, I started, a, I decided just on a whim, I'm going to do a course. I'm going to teach what I do. And I hadn't even done the course yet. I hadn't finished it or made it and it sold yeah. out. And, wow. you know, and you're like, wait, what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> How did this, you know what I mean? But it's like when you are, when you line up that energy, because you're always aligned with something. So you mm-hmm. might as well line up with what you want, right? right? So when you line up that energy, the universe universe will move for you that's that's just how it works yeah and I okay so what I I want to go back to is like because you mentioned earlier you know people can sometimes get hung up on like the money in terms of um when they're trying to you know first getting into like law of attraction or whatnot but what you said I think is so important is like aligning with your feelings right and right. yeah it's and I think I think that's interesting because I'm, I'm totally this is kind of you know what I teach as well it's like this idea of tapping into like the feelings it's and I think it can get kind of confusing for some people sometimes too because it's not like I think people sometimes assume that you're just kind of maybe being impulsive like or on, on whatever you, you you're feeling that day or whatnot but I think it's like just connecting deep 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 in how you want to feel and what you want to bring into your life and um but that can be hard for people to tap into I think because we're so overwhelmed with daily to-dos or responsibilities, et cetera, et cetera. And like, what advice do you give to people to be able to like hear that like feeling and to tap into that, you know, kind of inner compass, like, you know, sometimes call it inside of them so that they can be aligned with what they want to align with in a sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. And I think people are confused, which is why I love to talk about it. Yeah. Because 
you know, I feel like there's this very big movement to now where it's like, you got to be positive all the time. We'll mm-hmm. look on the bright side. Well, right. you know, and it's like, so if you aren't being honest, I think mostly what pe- trips people up is they, they're not honest or even aware of how they actually feel right now. Right. Like, how do you feel right now? What are you doing right now? How does this feel? We're mm-hmm. so confused as to what feels good and what's mm-hmm. entertaining. Like, just because it's entertaining doesn't mean it feels good. I have conversations with people many days and I'll say, hey, how's it, you know, how, how are you feeling today? And it's like, not bad. Yeah. Okay. Well, like, is not bad is not good. So don't confuse right. it. Yeah. And so I think one of the bigger things is that people are pressed to never feel bad, and so mm-hmm. we don't allow the evolution of the of the feeling mm-hmm. because you can't go from feeling bad and having bad days. You know, and of course, like the the, the feeling of the day is sort of. If, if you get present and you feel your day and you feel that, you know, or have you mostly been feeling kind of irritated or, yeah. you know, are you in your house feeling good? But as soon as you get in traffic, you start yeah. going off on people. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? You can start uh-huh. to gauge where you are. And then it's just the game of pulling it up. And yeah. so I like to play the game of sort of setting my emotional anchors. And mm. I do that in the morning and I set those intentions I activate my heart center Mm -hmm. I sort of you know it's like so also taking score too soon so it's like okay well I felt good for a week where's my stuff right and it's like the stuff is not what you're looking for when you really believe that one of the best things I ever heard that hit me like upside the head was that the first manifestation that you ever get is the feeling that is the first mm. manifestation. Mm. So that is something in and of itself to be thankful for. Yeah. That is something in and of itself to strive for. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And they can yeah. Just, yeah, let the universe so yeah. That's I I think people have to get start getting a little more real about where they are, what they're doing, how they feel. Um yeah, like all of that. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, because I think there can be you know, so many distractions or, um, we want quick fixes in a way, you know, even like, even if we're like, think we're in it for the long haul, like we still want, we want that kind of immediate, you know, gratification in many ways. And I like that the first manifestation is the feeling because, um, you know, who is it? I think Renee Brown says something like that. When you numb, um, you know, bad feelings, you're also numbing the good feelings. Like you have to be able to have that full spectrum of feelings in order for Uh, them to be, you know, like, kind of alive in a sense, but, um, I think so many yeah. of us do that. And so being able to allow ourselves to just accept how we're feeling and, you know, sometimes that might be even just like the first step is just getting comfortable with our feelings and not trying to push them aside or not trying to numb them with things so that we can start to manifest that feeling inside of us and that can kind of help serve us in, in the future. So that's, yeah, that's really interesting. I love that. The first manifestation is the feeling. Figuring out ourselves is, is one of the, you know, the craziest things, figuring out who you really are and then being that, you know, right. big work. It does. And it, I think, yeah, like it's definitely, it's not, we could coast through or, um, but it's so much more rewarding, I think, to just actually dive in and, and uh, grow as a person. And that's absolutely like, um, you know, the type of people I want to have on this, on this podcast are people who are like learning and growing and trying to discover new things for themselves. And I love that you are like sharing the things that you're discovering and that you're learning from and like passing that on to other people. And, um, that has to be so rewarding for you too. Like, or just like, there has to be a, um, a satisfaction with being able to share and share that. And I know you have a podcast too right now. Can you tell, can you yeah. tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah. I would love to tell you about my podcast. Let me really quickly just tell you that the inspiration side of it, that getting present, Mm -hmm. it's so powerful because you, you, you take away the perception, your old perceptions, right? So when you're present, you do something different. And so I just want to give you this little thing Mm because we, we just got from after 19 years, scientific and, you know, data that proves that my husband is innocent. That data was always there. But this is the crazy part that blows my mind. That data was always there. Our access to it was not, right? So it's literally an energy game. And that's those things that happen. It was like, oh, I had an inspiration to call this lady. And this lady told me to call this lady. This lady gave me a chance. 
And then we go find this guy and this guy looks at this and then this. And it's like, you know, but you have to have access to the things that you want. And that's what I think stresses people out. So they, they're like, well, I want to be up there right now. And it's like, you have to get energetically in the range of the things you want. And that mm. is where the work is. Um, and so. Oh, wait, can, podcast, I, can, I, can, can I follow up? Yeah. Can I check in with you and make sure I got that? So the yes. you mentioned the inspiration side is so important. So you and you were talking about being present. And so you're. Like in terms of like after 19 years, like some, did something come into your, like something come inside of you? Like you became present to something like, let me call such and such a person. And then that's, yeah, is that what started it? So just make sure I understood that. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, a, a, you know, everything comes from momentum, right? So there was a slow build and I, I, we were hearing little things and we're starting to see movement in places. And we're like, this is kind of, you know, we, we get this thing here, this thing. And then all of a sudden I just, I, there was a lady, there was a lawyer who is just crazy good. And mm-hmm. I've been looking at her for over a decade. And one day I thought, you know, I'm just going to call her and see what she says. I'm just yeah. going to call her. And, and I did. And she said, Hey, call this private investigator. She said, you need a really good private investigator. When you get the evidence, come back to me. And I was like, okay, I already had a private investigator that by the way, was just taking my money and not giving, I never got one thing from him and given thousands of dollars. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to go with this because it felt right. And I think that we cannot discount that. So it felt right. So I called the lady and she's literally the first person in 19 years who has read every single page of my husband's transcripts who has actually like come on the journey with me and went, Oh yeah, something's wrong here. Mm. Everybody else thought I was crazy because those were the people I had access to. But then it was like this break this. Okay. And it's not just me because we're co-creating. I can't create this for my husband, but I can co-create with him. I can influence, I can do what I can. And, uh, and so then we, yeah. So then she leads me to this expert, um, to get this scientific information. And it's like, wow, this is life changing. It's huge. It's like, you know, so, so yeah. So he'll actually be coming home soon. (gasps) Oh, really? Well, yeah. I mean, it's irrefutable. So unless the court was to say, I don't know. We don't yeah. know how it could not. Like it's irrefutable. It's scientific. It's he couldn't do it. So oh. it is not like maybe he did, maybe he didn't. It's like he couldn't right. do it. It's not possible. So oh, wow. unless they just decided to whatever. But I firmly yeah. believe he's been doing meditation. He's he does all of his stuff in there. And I just think yeah. that, you know, sometimes it takes nineteen years to back up your energy. Man. <laughs> Turn that train around. The train right. had to crash. We're turned around now. oh that's okay that's great okay fingers crossed that yes wonderful fingers crossed we we get some big news tomorrow so we're we're in a really good place though okay but yeah so my podcast sorry yes i had to put that out there i'm so glad you Uh, did i'm so glad you did yeah so because there is a light at the end of the tunnel it's just a matter of how you know, um, yeah, but yeah. the podcast is called She's Unoffendable and it's UN-Offend-A-B-L-E. And I named it that because um, I love the idea of being in control of our feelings and not letting other people, things that don't matter, even things that do matter, take too much and take us to places that aren't beneficial. Because every time we get off track, the rest of our world does. So Mm -hmm. um, I love the idea of being self-accountable and unoffendable. Like those Mm. are my, you know, if, if we all did that, I feel like our world would be different. Mm. So um, it's a very short, I do, I'm not, I'm no fluff, right? I give you whatever story I have that goes with it. And then you get like 15 minutes. So it's like in and out, you can listen to the episodes you know, pretty quickly. They're not, they're not in depth. Well, they are in depth, but they're quick. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. I'll share a link to that in the show notes and, and uh, your website with information about your coaching and all the different things that you offer as well. So yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Rebecca. This was wonderful. I loved hearing your story and it's just, it's it's inspiring. It's inspiring to hear people and how that they are kind of aligning their values to the choices and just, the strategies that they're yeah. using that are being effective. And uh, I'm just like, I, I'm looking forward to hearing good news um, about your husband here in the future too. <laughs> me so, too, me too. Yes, I can only imagine. 
<laughs> All right. Thanks again, Rebecca. It was wonderful chatting with you. Thank you so much. I had so much fun. I really enjoy getting to know Rebecca throughout our conversation. The value of doing the inner work in order to be in alignment is something I absolutely connected to. It's so important to become clear on what we want and how we want to feel because this sense of knowing and clarity can help us navigate through the choices and the decisions we make. Um, It can become the inner compass that guides us as we navigate relationships. And this is where the practice really comes into play as relationships provide so many opportunities for learning and for growth. And I don't know about you, but that's where so many of my lessons have come come through. Um, I might know something in my head. I might understand it intellectually, but then having to practice it and making sure I'm setting healthy boundaries or taking care of myself um, within my relationships is really, I think, where that the opportunity for growth comes in. And it's not always easy. And there are definitely setbacks that can happen along the way. I would love to hear what you found yourself thinking about and reflecting on after listening to this episode. Please share on my website, MaureenRyan.co, or on my Instagram page, Maureen underscore Ryan underscore. And if you haven't already, please join the Becoming Aligned private Facebook community. I'll admit I've been a, a bit quiet there lately as I've been trying to work on certain projects and um, also taking a little bit of a break in July. Um, but I'm hoping to get back on there and get the conversation going as we as we begin to jump into the fall season. So I hope to see you there. And thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Becoming Aligned podcast. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Becoming Aligned. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Becoming Aligned and rate and review this podcast. I'm Maureen Ryan, and I hope you'll join us next time. Take care.